Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken, episode number 334, recorded December 13th, 2020. So today we're finishing off the new IDW miniseries, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Too Long a Sacrifice. Yeah, issues two through four, and it's nice to wrap up this whodunit, because it is a whodunit. I like mysteries like this. Right, Matlock in space. That's what this was. <laughs> Matlock in space. There you go. I would have thought uh, murder. She wrote, but yes, yes. Columbo in space. How about that? No, not Columbo's not a good example. Because with Columbo, you know who did it up front. That's true, and we did not know who did it until the very end. Correct. You made spoil it for everybody. It was it was Odo. I can't <laughs> believe it. <laughs> the last person you'd expect. It was Odo. Yep. Just kidding, everybody. That is not who did it. And no. if you really thought that, you've never watched Star Trek. No one. They knew you were kidding. So Odo was really in his element in this story, and I like it. So that's great. It's very Odo-focused, and Odo was doing his job, but it's a, tough, it's a tough one. It's not an easy one that just wraps up by the end of a 45 or 50-minute episode. This one takes a little right. longer to figure out. And he ends, and, up, uh, he ends uh, up getting help. Yeah, go ahead. Well, just he ends up getting help. Well, that was the part that I was worried about when they brought in the help. And I was just like, no, this is Odo's show. You can't nah. have somebody else come and do Odo's job. Well, okay. And but they had Worf, they did a good job. right? Yeah. And then they had the other guy. Yeah, Worf wasn't a very good help in the first issue. No. Like, it's the Nausicans. How do you know? They're Nausicans. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that was Worf's contribution to the to the proceedings. Yeah, yeah. There was an issue of TNG where he did something similar to that against Romulans. I forgot what it was, but it was it was something. Right. Yeah, it was Romulans. Uh, they they were the ones that killed his his family. Right, exactly. So Worf jumped to that conclusion, and Picard is saying, hold on a minute, big guy. We need a little bit more proof of this. So this is something similar with Worf. It's a pattern with Worf. Right. So anyways, it was good stuff. I liked it. Me too. So shall we get uh, into the next issue? Let's do it. Issue number two of Too Long a Sacrifice continues the story. August 2020 is the published date. The writers are Scott and David Tipton. Artist, Greg Scott. Colorist, Felipe Sobriero. Hope I got that right. Letterer, Neil Yataki. Editor, Chase Marotes. We got three covers. Cover A features Constable Odo at his desk using a data pad as a shadowy figure is about to enter through a doorway. Cover by Ricardo Drummond. Cover B features a still photo from DS9 showing Odo looking up from a data pad. Odd. As something is approaching him. But he's standing up in this one, in this photo. The photo uh, 
Yeah, it, again, it's kind of like, was the photo an inspiration for cover A a little bit? I don't know. The cover A drawing. Retailer incentive cover A features Odo in a very similar drawing to what we saw for cover A, but this one is done by J.K. Woodward, and it's a little more close in on Odo, and he's got a data pad, though, and there are four inset little square pictures of people that I assume are maybe suspects. So there's a Ferengi, a Benzite, a Bajoran, at least I assume it's a Bajoran, and then a Nausicaan. And then we got the same stylized red kind of Raiders of the Lost Ark lettering that again says Deep Space Nine. So they keep on doing that. I think they did that for all four issues. They definitely did it in uh, the first and second issues. That's it for covers. Worf and Odo are questioning Quark about the explosion and the rhodium darts used as shrapnel in the attack. Rhodium darts just like the ones found in Quark's possession. Quark denies it all. He says he's being framed. He never saw those darts before. He would never try to blow up the station, period, much less trying to take out a small-time player like Lavin. Worf asks Quark about the Nausikins, who accuse Quark of planting the bomb. Quark weakly says they may not have been happy with a recent business transaction, so they're just trying to use this as a way of getting back at Quark. Odo receives a call from Dr. Bashir to get to Access Tunnel 25-A in the Habitat Ring. When Odo and Worf arrive, they find the doctor examining the corpse of Keedon, a member of the Bajoran Health Commission. Bashir says he was likely dead before he hit the ground due to the multiple stab wounds, including one to his heart. The investigation moves to Garrick's tailor shop, where new questioning begins. It turns out that Keaton was picking up a suit from Garak not long before his murder. Worf insinuates Garak may have killed him and had something to do with the bomb. Garak successfully defends himself and warns Odo that the station has more tales to tell than even Odo knows. And a long memory. Later, Major Kira tells Odo that Vedek Teller wants to speak to him concerning Keaton's murder. Odo tells her he has to make progress on what he is doing and the bombing before he can take time to speak to the Vedic. Odo departs, searching for a breakthrough on the case. He and Worf find nothing of use in Keaton's quarters or his personal data files. Worf makes a suggestion for a more aggressive manner of questioning. Later, Odo and Worf intrude on an illegal poker game involving five of the station's older and nefarious dwellers. They want to know how illegal contraband is getting off the station. Worf uses his Klingon charm to motivate them. With new leads in their hands, Odo and Worf intrude on two criminals with a black box containing contraband. The questioning continues. The next link in the chain leads them to two Nausikins, the original two that accused Quark as they are loading up their ship. The first Nausicaan attempts to stab Odo with a big knife and fails like a newbie. Though it's obvious the Nausicaans accused Quark to cover their own tracks, they do not believe the Nausicaans set off the bomb. But grilling the two might turn up something helpful. As his people take the Nausicaans off to the brig, Odo leaves to meet with the Vedic. The Vedic wants the murder of so many Bajorans and Keaton to be solved fast, and he is not getting a warm fuzzy from Odo's progress so far. 
Levetic's assistant discloses to Odo that Keaton was well-connected in Bajoran society and very rich. His family made a fortune in trading during the occupation. They were collaborators with the Cardassians, and the trade networks they built up were invaluable after the occupation when Bajor was rebuilding. This was news to Odo that he knew opened up many new avenues of investigation. The Vedic warned Odo that Keaton has powerful friends that will demand to know who killed him. Elsewhere on the station, Kira is trying to get into a stateroom that the Ferengi trade delegation is loudly drinking and laughing in there about someone who is making payments to this day. She finally gets in and reminds them they will be late for a meeting. Then they suddenly start keeling over and hitting the ground. They were poisoned. Kira calls for immediate medical aid and security. In the stateroom, Dr. Bashir confirms they were killed by poison, but until he gets them to sickbay, he will not know exactly what the poison was. Kira makes it clear she knows about Kedron's collaborator past and hates him for it. The Bajoran government continues to cover it all up. Dax enters a meeting room where Sisko is meeting with a dozen Starfleet senior officers that are discussing needed photon torpedoes and other supplies for the Dominion War effort. The Ferengi trade delegation is a needed lifeline to get the needed supplies. When Dax briefs Sisko on the deaths of the entire Ferengi trade delegation, he is not happy. Later, Sisko assembles his senior staff and tells them they need to get to the bottom of the bombings and the murders. They are destabilizing the station and the war effort. Starfleet has assigned a senior investigator named Retlaw to the case to work with Odo. Sisko, Odo, and the rest go to meet Retlaw's shuttle. As soon as the old detective walks beyond the airlock, he addresses them by name and answers the questions they are thinking. He confirms to Sisko that he is indeed a Betazoid. Retlaw confirms to Worf that he could not defeat him in single combat. He tells Judzia that he did meet Kurazan Dax once. And he confirms to Major Kira he can read most minds. To Odo, Retlaw says he cannot read Odo's mind at all. A blank canvas. The issue ends with a very surprised Odo. To be continued. Matlock never needed any help. He didn't need to read minds. He just kind of figured things out, didn't he? When I got to this part, I was just like, oh man, now they're just going to have some guy reading everybody's brain to... Yep, he did it. Yeah. Well. And I didn't want to steal the thunder from Odo. In the end, this guy can't read everybody he thinks he can read, as we'll find out soon. And not everything can be deduced by reading people's minds. Right. As we will find out. This was just uh, going around asking a bunch of questions issue. (laughs) Yes, as investigations often are. But we did have some major uh, new information being disclosed, didn't we? Was it? Yeah. I mean, just like with the murder mystery, they just walk around and find out, oh, this person seems guilty, oh, this person seems guilty. And then at the end, we'll be like, ah, ha, ha, it was that person. Right. But, okay, and we also had another murder. So, Keaton was killed. And yeah, another murder, sure. Exactly. And, and the Ferengis the were killed. So yeah. that was significant. We've got yeah, more murder. High, high body total for exactly. Star Trek. I mean, exactly. I guess last one had, what, eight people died in the explosion? Yep. 
And then this one has you know, quite a few people just getting killed left and right. Exactly. So the murderer continues on, uh, or so it appears. In finding out that this Keaton is some kind of a, uh, a turncoat during the occupation that made a ton of money by aiding and abetting the Cardassians. And for it, apparently, he was killed. So, right. So it appears. So Odo says that he didn't know that, but Kira acts like she knew that, right? Yeah. Or the Vedic acted like he knew it. Well, the Vedic knew it. Or at, yeah. I mean, and it was the Vedic's assistant that told Odo, but right. they both knew it. And then Kira knew it, of course. You know, considering that Odo was on the station, but, but maybe most of this stuff took place on Bajor. Maybe. Not on, but, not on the station. Yeah, because Kira wasn't on the station. She was, she on, was not. She, she was always on Bajor. Exactly. So that's maybe why they know more than Odo. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. And I could understand, I mean, I, I kind of like their... Like the Vedic saying that, yeah, no, nobody's proud of what he did to survive. But, you know, during those times, you, you do what you have to do to survive. And he's, you know, since the occupation, he's been trying to do everything he could to make up for the collaboration and making money while the other people suffered. Right. Uh, which, which doesn't <clears throat> yeah. necessarily make him a good guy, but at least nah. it's like, okay, I kind of understand. What's the motivation? So it's, what was Kedron's motivation? Uh, to spend enough money to shut everybody up and to keep his freedom and keep his money because the government could have just gone ahead and just taken his money. We're going to take all your money because you're a creep and you're going in prison and we will use this money to help rebuild Bajor. But apparently they needed the trade network to get needed supplies in for the rebuilding so they didn't do that. Right. But... And I'm sure there was politics involved too, um, in in those decisions to to let things go. But oh well, always politics. Always politics. I thought it was a little realistic because I mean that that does happen with uh, the people that weren't necessarily bad guys in mm-hmm. Germany, but still you know made money during the war. Uh, does that necessarily make them bad guys because they didn't? kill themselves to oppose Hitler right. and stuff. It's just like, right. you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fine line. And, and it seemed like this guy, even though he did, he, he could have done more maybe mm-hmm. in one person's point of view. But he, since then, he's been doing everything he could to make things better. Right. Well, and again, what's the motivation? If he really is trying to make things better, fine. But if he's really just trying to spend the money just to so he can keep spend a little bit of money to keep most of it and keep his freedom, well, then so his then motivations are not that night. pure. Yeah, true. So we don't know, but the guy's dead, so it doesn't matter. Right. Good. He got uh, he got stabbed. <laughs> stabby, yeah. Mister Stabby Stabby took care of him. All right. So that's a running theme in this issue with uh, Bashir. Mm-hmm. And he's always like, uh, I don't know what killed him, but it could be these stab wounds. <laughs> and then in the next scene, I don't know what killed him, but it could have been this poison. <laughs> and spoiler, he does it again later. <laughs> so, that, that, that's, his, that's his role in this, is just to show up at the scene of the crime and say, I don't know for sure what killed him, but it could be this. This incredibly obvious thing. Right. That's been mentioned before by other people. Yes. Right. 
I don't know what killed these people, but it could be these iridium darts that are embedded in all the bulkheads. You know, it's like a lot of the dialogue in this is really weird. Like, like when Oda, when O'Brien didn't even notice the iridium darts that weren't in people. Right. When he was investigating the crime scene, but then when he goes to medical bay, he's like, "Radium darts? Whoa! You're pulling these out of people?" <sighs> and I was just like, "Yeah, you should have been pulling them out of the ceiling and walls and stuff while you yeah. were there." What kind of? You would have seen that. You wouldn't. Th- you would. What kind think. of guy are you? Yeah, come on. Get on the ball. You need to be observant, like uh, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, he would have noticed. He would have noticed it all, and put it and put a lot of it together. I bet. Yeah. While playing the violin. Come on, Odo. Exactly. <laughs> playing so, yeah, the violin so you, and smoking a pipe. And you weren't upset when O'Brien, or not O'Brien, uh, Odo was, was getting, not replaced, but when the Federation didn't have confidence in him and was like, we're sending you another guy. That didn't make you mad. Mad. I felt a little bad for Odo uh, because he's been nothing but very competent in the show. So you would think he would be able to get to the bottom of this, but it does turn out to be a little bit more of a, a difficult mystery. Um, it's right. not so obvious who did it. So, but in, in, but they make it very clear that the stakes are really high with this. So my, my pity for Odo does not go that far. I mean, they really had to get to the bottom of this for the war. And if you think about the time frame, I mean, this is like in the middle of the dominion war. I mean, yeah. they could be attacked at any moment. Yep. So it's kind of a little odd that they're, I mean, not odd, but when you're reading this book, it seems like, you know, business as usual, people are going to have dinner and their weekly lunches and things like that. And then also there's this threat that at any time you can just come in and wipe them out. Hang over everybody's head. But they're still continuing on their lives. Um yeah, what do you do when when you're in a situation like that? You're nervous and everything, and but you go on with your life. I guess so. so Fortunately, I've never been in a situation like that where, you know, at war where somebody could just come in and bulldoze your, your town at any time. True. But, you know, over this past year with uh, the coronavirus, that has been hanging over our heads for not a year, but coming up on it. What, January, sure. February of, of this year it happened? So, right. and it's December now. So, we've had that hanging over our heads for a while, which is not nearly as bad as a war, an invading, very powerful uh, bad guys. Right. Uh, like the Dominion. But, you know, it's, uh, this has been a long burn, and we try to do our, go on with our lives the best we can, but uh, it is hanging over our heads. Anyway. That's true. That's true. So, so I, like, I like the Nausicaan ship. Uh, isn't it all like bubbly? Is that the right word? Bubbly? It looks like a, it look looks like it. a hunk of junk. I mean, <laughs> you know when they were talking about the Millennium Falcon, you know Luke saying it looks like a hunk of junk, right? That's what this thing looks like—a hunk of junk. But it's cool because it's not typical. I don't think this is a very typical uh, Star Trek design at all. In fact, it reminds me of something more like you'd see in Star Wars. Like uh, maybe a little bit of Boba Fett's Slave One, Slave One. Yeah, thing, right? with the landing ramp, it definitely has a Slave One vibe for sure. Right, and then it's got the foreign language on the side, uh, you know, and, and that almost reminds me a little bit of like uh, Serenity, 
Firefly, where basically Chinese is on the side of a lot of things, because that's the language in, in that universe. Right. Is Chinese. Um, and so I, I, got, I got the vibe of other franchises, not Star Trek. So I kind of like that. Yeah, I was just wondering, did they ever show the Nausicaan ships in in the old show? I, I don't. I can't don't remember so. them ever doing it. I don't remember ever seeing it. Hmm. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Looks pretty cool. I kind of digged it. I kind of dug it. So what's the deal with those guys on the cover, the four people on the cover? Um, let me go back to the cover. Uh, the, uh, which cover? The one by uh, Woodward. So Odo's on his pad, and then there's an inset of four boxes with different people's uh, faces. So the Nasakin, okay, I get that. Yeah, the uh, uh, Bajoran and the what was the other guy? The Benzite. 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 Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the ones that have to have the breather on them. Right now, the Benzite, I don't get it all. Nah, he's he's just there because he looks cool. <laughs> exactly. Now the Frangi. Okay, so there's a lot of Frangis that are killed, and then of course Quark. Although that's not Quark. Or I don't think it's Quark. It doesn't look like Quark to me. Nice. But, you know, it's an evil Ferengi. It looks like an evil Ferengi. So there were a lot of Ferengis. That's fine. And then the Bajoran guy? Well, there's no Bajoran guy that looks like this, I don't think. But maybe is it supposed to be the Vedic? I don't know. And then, yeah. So anyway, the Nausicaan makes the most sense. Right. And maybe the Ferengi. But the middle two guys, I'm not really sure. So what I want to know is why this issue, out of all the other issues in this series, is hard to find. So for whatever reason, this this issue, issue two, all three covers sold out everywhere I looked. Oh, really? Yeah, but oh, but everywhere else had one, three, four, but they didn't have number two. So I'm just wondering. Huh. Well, I don't think this one, or if this one is just more valuable, or I don't know why. I mean, I'm just no, looking no. at the covers again, and I don't. I mean, definitely the photo cover. Who cares? And then the and cover A, which is the most numerous one, is like, eh, okay. Photos at a desk, and then there's a guy in a walk, and there's a silhouette in the doorway. Okay. Now, that last one, you know, kind of looks cool, you know, with the red text and stuff. But, sure, and it's J.K. Woodward. You can't, J.K. can't Woodward. not love that. There you go. <laughs> no, I just wondered if maybe, uh, my first thought was like, oh, this must have came out like right when the pandemic was starting, and, and they mm. were, you know, there was all those publishing problems. Mm. But this mm. has an August retail date so maybe yeah. that should should have been after they figured it all out right so i don't know but I, it's just weird i, have no, I, I checked I have a couple no places and, and those were number two was sold out of both hmm. anyways anything else for this issue um, uh, i didn't think the ferengi getting poisoned all at the same time was a little a little much because they're all like laughing and goofing off and then as soon as she <laughs> says hey we need to go for your meeting then that's when they all like Everybody dies at once. You know, it's right. just like, how was that timed? So, I mean, did they all take the drink at the same time and it took that long for each person's body to process the poison? I don't know. They were all eating together and drinking together. So maybe that helps explain it. The food was brought to them at the same time. Um, I don't know. But, uh, yeah. I mean, and why did they die, though? I mean, is this more payback? I mean, we kind of understand... Maybe well, okay. So it was because the Ferengis were working with what's his name, uh, Keaton. So some Ferengi are those the same Ferengis that worked with Keaton during the occupation? Uh, I mean, what's was it? I don't know. I don't know. 
Is that the motivation? I mean, based on the idea that it's payback for his misdeeds and, and betraying the, pe- the, the people. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. If that, if that is it. Why the Ferengis? Oh, well. Don't know. I don't know. And why the original explosion in the first place? I mean, who... Yeah. With, well, Keaton, Keaton wasn't there, right? No. I mean, Garrick was, so maybe maybe uh, he's still a, a suspect. Maybe he is. Maybe he, he was did on the it. station before. Maybe he had something to do with it. Right. It's always fishy, that, that Garrick. He's, Garrick is very fishy. Yeah, yeah. And he, he gave a lot of information in this one, too, right? The, he was the one that put him on the Nausicaan tail. What little tidbit did he give him in this one? Oh, uh, okay, so he he told Odo... Oh, he was uh, the one that talked There's more stuff going on here than you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah, he's always just in the issue just to give a little information, but somehow he never seems to, to be a suspect. I think I would suspect him. <laughs> See, you were there, and you just happened to know all this Well, he was a suspect, at least if, as far as Worf, Worf is concerned, right? Right. Just because... Keaton happened to have gone to Garrick's place to pick up a suit or something, some garment. So there, there goes Worf, just jumping to conclusions again. Anyway. Can't take him anywhere. No, you can't. You're not helpful. I think the artwork's the same as last time, but anything you want to talk about in particular? Yeah. Well, I think I already did. I, I, like, the, uh, I like the ship, the oh, Nausicaan ship. But nothing else about the issue. Well, nothing new to say anyway. Right. I, I, I'm, you know, it's a hit and miss thing. Some, sure. some of the panels and some of the faces and some of the things look good, and then other ones are like, Ugh. there's like no detail here. Right. Yeah. Everything's just kind of washed out. Yeah. So hit and miss, but you know, I, I like it in general. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely read worse. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. Anything else? That's it. Well, then I have the privilege of doing issue three. This came out of uh, September of 2020. The writer, artist, colorist, letterer, and editor, all the same as the last issue, so I won't uh, bore you with those details again. Although if you worked on it, I'm sure it's not that boring. You would want to hear your name, but you're not listening, so (laughs) it doesn't matter. All right, so the first cover is by Ricardo Drummond, and it shows Odo running towards the reader and then running past uh, the reader's faces, we see two feet. So they're like, uh, we're on the ground and they're running over our heads. But we don't get to see who they are. Retail incentive cover is, I guess this is the cover, the photo cover. Uh, but it shows Quark at his bar. And it looks like there's a bunch of glasses upside down with the stems sticking up. And then the last cover, which is by uh, J.K. Woodward again. This again has the... Uh, Indiana Jones font, as uh, Ken likes to call it. And this shows Garrick, what looks like Garrick, hiding behind a wall. And he's like looking over the wall and he sees Odo, Worf, and uh, Redlock. And then at the bottom it says, too long a sacrifice. All right, so this this issue starts with a flashback. We uh, are seeing Detective Redlaw's visions and he sees... Or he's thinking about how he was able to barely escape Betty Zed with his daughter just as the Jemadar came in and started to attack and conquer the planet. Uh, then he's kind of snapped back to the present and Retlaw tells Odo what he was thinking about. And he says that uh, he's lucky that his wife and daughter are now safe on Earth 
but there are still countless others still on the planet and have been forced into Dominion service. He even says that they're building a Cardassian space station in Beta Z orbit that closely matches Deep Space Nine. And then Odo says that, yes, he's heard that, and that he says that it's called Sintok Nor. They also discuss how Retlaw's telepathy will sometimes be very helpful in these investigations, but he does point out that it has some limitations. So maybe it's not the uh, end-all, be-all wild card that, that you were hoping for. He says that it's possible to not be able to read somebody. And then also he says that some people believe in a lie so much that when he reads their mind, he reads it as truth. The conversation ends when Odo is informed of yet another murder. This time it was two Ferengi delegates that secretly came aboard the station as envoys for the Grand Nagus. Not even Odo was aware of their arrival due to this high security, yet someone knew exactly where they would be and killed them. Bashir, as always, is there on site, and he speculates that the cause of death might be these poison darts. But he's not sure, but that's his speculation. Retlaw then requests to re-interview all of Odo's suspects. This kind of ticks off Odo, but uh, he goes ahead and relents. So the first person Odo sends him to is Quark. So they visit Quark at the bar. Quark makes a big scene about being harassed. And since Retlaw cannot read Ferengis even if he wanted to, the visit is a complete bust. They then visit the brig where the two Nausicans are still being held. Uh, the two lawmen talk to the two jailed aliens. The Nausicans do not give up anything verbally, but Retlaw suddenly asks Odo where he can find Ensign Coleman Schroeder. Perhaps the Nausicans are easier to read than Ferengi. Ensign Schroeder is brought into Sisko's office for questioning, so in attendance is Schroeder, Sisko, Odo, and Retlaw. They inform him that they have proof that he's been allowing Nausicans to bring in the contraband. They ask him to tell who else has been helping, but he gives up nothing. He says he doesn't have to tell him anything. And then Retlaw says that he cannot read the boy. Somehow he's blocking his powers. Later, they meet up with Garrick at his shop when they ask if he knows anything about Schroeder. But anyways, they ask if they know anything about him, and he says he just happened to have caught Schrodinger and Vedic Tyler talking on camera within his shop recently. Odo and Retlaw then try to get permission to interview the Vedic. Kira is very much against it, but Sisko allows it, as long as they're discreet. As Retlaw and Odo walk to visit the Vedic, they are attacked by flying poison darts. Luckily, the assassin missed this time, so they continue on to the Vedic, and they make their way past his assistants, and they meet with the man himself. They lay out what they have on him, that he has a meeting with a security officer who was a known smuggler of weapons into the station. And they ask, what does the Vedic have to say for himself? To be concluded. Concluded. Cool. So we're going to find out. We're going to find out what's going on here soon. Yep. So what's with the, the poison darts? This is <sighs> the first time they've tried... The assassin tried to kill the same way two times, and they're horrible shots. <laughs> so how, how did they push <laughs> Yeah, they're horrible shots, and really, the darts, in the end, 
is one of those misdirection things, which we really never get fully explained. Spoiler alert. Who was really sending the darts? I mean, when we get to the end, I don't remember them actually explaining that at all. And that's not the only thing that isn't explained as we move along. But Right. Well, not, I mean, that's, not to ruin that's too spoiling. many things, but... Well, this I don't think is a spoiler, because I don't think it ever comes back again. But how did Schrodinger, or whatever his name Schroeder. is, how was he blocking the the Beta Z powers? They never, they never say anything. Co- yep. I completely agree. It's one of my points in the next issue. Yeah. That, well, it's, I mean, it's a bit, that's another example, yes. So there's right. at least two things that are never sufficiently explained. Mm-hmm. And there may be more. There may be more. There may be more. So, Retlaw is not all he's uh, cracked up to be, eh? In his initial performance, it seems like, oh, this guy can read minds, no problem. Right. Uh, but then, as we move along, it's like, oh, can't read him. Oh, can't read him. Oh, can't read him. Oh, can't read him. I don't know what's going on. It's like, you're useless. <laughs> anyway. Nope, yeah, you're so absolutely right. It isn't. So, if your ace in the hole isn't always working, then it goes back to good old-fashioned detective work and deduction. So, right. And that's Just where over. Odo is right there. Yeah, he is. So I really liked the opening flashback on Beta Z. Mm-hmm. I know there's a novel called The Battle of Beta Z, mm-hmm. okay. um, which talks about the occupation. And, and there's just a few throwaway lines in Deep Space Nine where they talk about Beta Z falling and being conquered. But mm-hmm. we never go there. We never, we never really hear anything except for it. You know, it's just a name that they throw out as being right. one of the planets that got conquered. So it was kind of cool to see it here. I, I've never read the book Battle for Beta Z. I own it, but it's like one of those ones like, yeah, I want to I get to this one of these days. Because uh, it has Troy and stuff in it. You know, mm-hmm. she's, she's there. Uh, but it was one of the things that kind of always bothered me in, in Insurrection, the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's during the Dominion War. They talk about a little bit about, uh, you know, the war going on and, and Ketrick Powell. The Federation is spread thin, and you know they even mentioned Ketracel White at one point. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, they never really talk about it, and it always kind of bothered me because I was like, "They said Beta Z was overthrown, so does where's Luxwana? Why is Troy just now still perfectly like just hey, yay, I'm happy, we're getting younger." You know? Yeah, <laughs> that was one of the things in that movie that was just like inconsistent. Everybody's just so cheerful, and yet the Federation may fall. You know, exactly. while you're while you're screwing around with these people yeah and i know they explain it's like oh we have to get more planets to to come along in the war effort but hey the enterprise is one of the best ships why isn't right. it on the front line so that was always something that bothered me right and if for it to be for them to try to do a, a weird comedy one that mm-hmm. just doesn't work i mean wow. uh, the voyage home it works as a comedy yeah you know a funny star trek movie sure but uh, Insurrection, it felt like that's where they were going, and it just it never landed. Well, they tried to have good humor in Generations, too. I mean, that whole thing about... Oh, what was funny there? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well exactly. Exactly. What was funny there? Uh, the whole thing where Data's doing Mr. Tricorder and dealing with his emotion chip. Oh, that part was actually... That worked for me. Well, it, it kind of worked, but it's like I was getting a little bit like, mm, okay. I'm about over with this data stuff. <laughs> I mean, the first few the first few bits were fine, but it was starting to get on my nerves. Right. After a while. Yeah, and no, Insurrection, just tonally, it, it always bothered me. 
where yeah. well, data but, doesn't know how, what how breasts work and stuff like that. Nah. It's just like <laughs> asking Worf if his breasts feel feel firmer, and you know, just like, come on, you're not stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it, I, I think we've made a, a similar comment. You're not season one data. Come on. <laughs> so, anyways. Um, but anyways, uh, so I, I liked this issue because, man, it, it is pretty dramatic when, you know, he barely gets his daughter picked up, go to a, a refugee type uh, shuttle pickup. And then mm-hmm. as he's leaving, you can just see all these what look like uh, galaxy class ships just being obliterated by the, the Dominion mm-hmm. uh, that are trying <clears throat> to defend Beta Z. Right. It was quite good. Yeah. It gives you more detail about things we only heard about. Right. They talked about it, but this is actually showing it to you. That's pretty cool. And that gives him, uh, Retlaw, an interesting set of motivations. Right. Definitely he is prejudiced against Odo because he is of the founder race. You can tell he doesn't like him. So he gives them a little bit of conflict. Although right. it, doesn't really get in, it doesn't really get in the way of the investigation ever, I don't think. But it does add a nice, interesting little additional dimension to their relationship. Because this is turning into, by the end, it ain't, spoiler alert, this becomes kind of like a buddy cop kind of thing going on. Right. But uh, like many buddy cop kind of things, they don't like each other at first. Or at least, well, okay, so Odo doesn't like Retlaw because he's coming in on his territory. This is his investigation. He doesn't need anybody else coming in on it. So Odo has some motivations to not like Retlaw. And Retlaw doesn't like Odo because he's a founder. Uh, right. So, I mean, I, I, I kind of like that they're, they're putting that kind of writing dimensionality into it, into the story. Right. And by yep. the way, who do you think was the inspiration for how they drew Retlaw? Uh, no idea. Oh, no idea? Really? Okay. So in some panels, really not that much. But in some panels, it's amazing. Uh, this, I, I say Robert De Niro. Because there are some panels where he looks like a old and fatter Robert De Niro. Because I don't think Robert De Niro has ever been this heavy as Retlaw is. But looking at some of the panels, he looks like Robert De Niro. Um, uh, maybe when he's like staring down the Nosticans, maybe, maybe there. But aside from that, I don't, I don't see it. Oh well, um, yeah, I what, guess page, I mean, there's a few, uh, page eighteen uh, towards the middle, especially to me. Sitting at the table, looking at, exa- at what's his face? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I see it. Yeah. So and then you're right, exactly. That's that's the page. So again, some panels more than others, and. And this is a comment I made in the next issue, but I'll, I might as well make it now since we're on the topic. There is an actor who you've seen him a million times. He's been in tons of things. And su- su- Succession. Succession? Uh, oh, okay. Uh, Brian Cox is his name. So okay. he's been in lots of things. Uh, the HBO TV series Succession is what he's in now. But there are times where he looks like Brian Cox also depending upon some of the panels. Have you ever seen Succession? Or any uh, no. any ads for it? No, what is it? Well, it's basically a rich guy who's getting kind of old and 
who from his family is going to take over and run the empire is is the main thrust of it. And uh, anyway, it's been on for years. It's probably like season four by now or something, or at least season three. Uh, anyway, if you saw this guy, you would recognize him because he's been in a ton of things. Oh, okay. Okay, that's it. That's that. That's my two <laughs> guesses at uh, at inspiration. And I can't say you're wrong because uh, I, I mean I do see the Robert De Niro in those few panels. Right. All right. Anything else, or should we move on to the last issue? Find out who who done it. Okay, I do have something to say, and this will be all the right. last thing that we move. Okay. Okay. So we all know that from TNG. This is the first place we saw it. The Enterprise can tell you where anybody is on the ship, right? Because your com badge signal has a, you know, has, has a unique ID, and it's always broadcasting, so you can be tracked. Uh, and, sure. of course, Worf has taken it off at least once, maybe a couple times, when he had to take care of business and didn't want to be tracked. Um, however, I didn't realize that they recorded all that over time so they can track every place you've been. Um, or at least they oh, do yeah. that in DS9. I, whether they actually talked about that in, in TNG, I don't know. But they're saying that happens in DS9. And from a technical standpoint, if you're, it's trivial to record <laughs> locations. I mean, if you've already got the, the tracking information real time, it's trivial to just record it. Right. Just to keep it. Just makes sense. So it all makes sense to me. It's just that, oh, I'm not, I'm not that crazy about that. That makes me feel ooky. But guess what? It got me thinking. Cell phones work the same way. So I did a little searching. And indeed, there was an article with USAA Today where they actually gave retention periods by cell phone carrier of how long they keep information about where you were over time. Did you know that you're tracked like that? Um, I'm not surprised. I... Well, I'm not surprised in the end either, but I'm, I feel ooky. I didn't quite understand that they, they kept the information, but they do. So here you go. Uh, Verizon keeps that tracking data on their customers for one year. Okay, one year. Okay, that's long, but it gets worse. T-Mobile keeps it for two years. Oh, why would you need to hold on to it for two years? Sprint actually is good. They keep it for 18 months. Okay, so it's kind of in the middle between T-Mobile and Verizon. But guess how long AT&T holds on to it? The Death Star. Uh, forever. <laughs> Five stinking years. So AT&T holds on to tracking data on, on all of its customers. I know I've got AT&T service for five years. And they are more than happy to give it over to, you know, uh, the government, law enforcement. Hmm. So, well, that's good for them. I mean, good for, well, it's the, good for law, enforcement. law enforcement, but yes. it's bad for me. I don't need them to know everywhere I go. Right. And, and they don't really care about you or I, unless for some reason they became interested in you or I. <laughs> and in, which, <laughs> in which case there, then they pretty much know any, everywhere you've been if you had your cell phone with you. For the past five years. Or, well, whose who service do you have? I can't tell you because now I, I, you'll look me up. <laughs> I can't look you up. I can't, <laughs> I can't serve subpoenas or whatever law enforcement has to do to get this in, kind of information. Right. Anyway, I just – so I just – okay. I just want to <laughs> let you know. 
It just I just pulled on a thread and then it yeah, led me that's, to. Yeah, uh, that's a it's a scary thread. It's a scary thread. I just thought I'd mention it. That's it. Now we'll, won't be able to sleep tonight. Thanks. <laughs> well, you'd better just think twice about that murder you're planning on doing. Oh my god! Don't even kid like that. <laughs> it's just a joke. Okay. All right. Shall we move on? Let's do it. The fourth and final issue of this arc. It has a published date of October 2020. All the creative people are the same. And there are covers. We've got three covers. Cover A features Constable Odo twice. He's on the top and on the bottom in in two different, you know, positions. Like an action figure. At the top, he is holding a glass of thick red liquid, perhaps blood. And then again, he's at the bottom, turning to face something unexpected. Again, like an action figure. Kira, Quark, Sisko, and Dr. Bashir round out the cast members, included on the cover. There is a small drawing of what appears to be a man sitting in his jail cell bunk, on his jail cell bunk, speaking to a man standing on the other side of the cell's force field. This cover is by Ricardo Drummond. Cover B features a still photo from DS9 series showing Garak just standing there, thinking, I think. Retailer incentive cover A features Odo and Worf turning to face the attacker that put Miles O'Brien flat on the floor where Dr. Bashir is attempting to treat him. Again, Raiders of the Lost Ark Red Tech says, Deep Space Nine, action, action, action. Cover art by J.K. Woodward. Odo and Retlaw are in Vedic Teller's quarters, telling the Vedic about new evidence that shows he and Ensign Schroeder knew each other and have been conferring recently prior to the explosion and murder. Retlaw makes it plain he intends to read the Vedic. Unperturbed, the Vedic does not object. Immediately, Retlaw says he didn't do it. The Vedic yells at both of them, saying he had nothing to do with any of this, and how could he, given the horrors he and Odo experienced under the Cardassian occupation? The Vedic says he did not hold Keaton's actions against him. He did not like them, but the occupation was a long time ago. Retlaw and Odo leave and walk the promenade, reeling from this latest setback and talking about next moves they could make. Odo uses a pad to review Schroeder's whereabouts prior to the murders, and he sees what he was looking for. Odo tells Retlaw, it's time for lunch. Seated in a booth in Lavin's rebuilt restaurant, Odo explains to Retlaw how he was so focused on the Vedic that he did not focus on other people Schroeder might have been in contact with leading up to the murders. It turns out the ensign was in the personal quarters of Lavin multiple times. When Lavin comes up to their table to take their lunch order, Retlaw reads her mind. Retlaw sees in her mind the brutality of her experience back then during the occupation. Lavin's greatest loss was the death of her brother when he tried to defend her against an unjustified Cardassian attack. The day he was disintegrated by a Cardassian gun is the day that Lavin vowed revenge. But on exactly who? She saw exactly what Keaton was. 
He betrayed his people and lined his pockets in trade deals between the Cardassians and Ferengi suppliers who collaborated with them. Keedon, the Ferengi, they were still within her reach. She entered into a romantic relationship with Schroeder. He became the man in the inside of the Federation that would help her. He helped her to get the material she needed for the bomb that blew up her restaurant, a sacrifice well worth it. Schroeder helped lure the Ferengi back to the station and to get Keaton to an isolated place where he would receive no aid, and I killed him personally. Since she was involved in providing food to the Ferengi delegation, it was easy to poison their drinks. The last two Ferengi murders were not even necessary, but she had developed a taste for murder, and she fed that taste. Retlaw comments out loud how much hatred is in her mind. Lavin realizes in an instant that her mind was red and the jig's up. She runs out of her restaurant. Odo calls a security alert to take Lavin Marin into custody. Retlaw warns they need to catch her fast before she kills again. Odo and Retlaw catch up to Lavin. She reacts like a cornered animal by brandishing a knife and holding it to an innocent man's throat. That is the distraction she needs to duck into a hallway and get some distance on Odo. Retlaw warns she has been planning this for years. What she would do if she was discovered. He tells Odo to get to the maintenance area and fast. Odo calls in Major Kira to get more people involved in the hunt for Lavin. Odo and Retlaw back off when Lavin takes her first shot at them with a gun. Retlaw says he saw in her mind that Lavin stashed weapons ahead of time, and now she is well armed. Kira, O'Brien, and a security detail join Odo and Retlaw. O'Brien says he can turn up the heat in the section of maintenance that she is currently in that will force her out through a specific exit from maintenance. Odo needs to get his people to the spot ASAP. Unfortunately, they are too late, as Lavin's powerful rifle is able to get through a wall faster than they expected. She heads to Quark's, where her last score will be settled. Odo enters and tells Lavin, it's all over and she needs to give up, as he uses his Mr. Fantastic powers to turn his left arm into a shield separating Lavin and Quark's many customers. Lavin is distracted by Odo in front of her. Retlaw is able to get behind her, tackle her like a Brahma bull, and take her rifle from her. For a fat old man, Retlaw still has some moves. Later, Lavin is in a security cell, mumbling how it will never be over. She had to kill them all. Dr. Bashir says there must be something special in her that snapped, where most Bajorans did not attempt revenge like she did. Retlaw is troubled by the long-term effects of the occupation of Betazoid on his own empathetic people, on his own empathic people. Sisko congratulates Odo on cracking the case and providing the bomb and the murders were a personal vendetta unrelated to the war with the founders. Odo gives credit to Retlaw, who was invaluable in the investigation. Later, Odo sees Retlaw off to him prior to returning to Earth. Retlaw congratulates Odo and says he misjudged him. His prejudice due to Odo being from the Founder's race was wrong and he is sorry for it. The two lawmen make their final goodbyes and Retlaw says he hopes their paths will cross again. The End.
so he was racist. He admitted to it, and yes, he was. So, there you go. So, who do, were you happy about the, who the killer was? Yes, and it made sense. You'll recall we both commented how incredibly emotional she was in the first issue after the explosion. Now, she, yes. had, a, she, had, a, she had a reason to be emotional, but they really went over the top with it, how they drew her. Right. Yeah, she was crazy. She was crazy. Now, at that time, I was not, I was not thinking she was the murderer, but I was like saying, wow, they really made a point of that. Yep. What makes it a good murder mystery is that they gave you a nugget of information at the beginning, but didn't draw attention to it. So exactly. that uh, you, uh, it's only when it came together at the end that you're like, oh, yeah. Exactly. All good whodunits give you some clues. Because if all they're going to do is make it really hard so you'll never guess it, and you had never had even had a chance to guess it, you feel cheated. I feel cheated. Right. So, yeah, boy, she, she was killing people just because she liked it. I mean, that, yeah. that, that was the scary part. Yeah. I didn't have to kill those last two Ferengi, but I just wanted it. Exactly. And, and I love how they drew her face towards the end. So they really drew her face as very twisted, where it's like, uh, you won't take me alive, Kappa. She doesn't actually <laughs> say that, but it kind of looks like that kind of thing. Right. Well, she was going to stab somebody just to get away, right? Sure. She, didn't she grab that hostage? Yes, she did. Had him by the throat. Right. Um, and then at the, you know, I mean, yeah. And then they drew her face extremely twisted when she had the gun in Quark's saying, I'm not gonna, I'm not finished, Odo. And then somehow Retlog got behind her and took her down. Right. So that was good. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting Retlaw to do that. I mean, I mean, he seems more like the old guy that like figures stuff out and there's a younger buck. That takes care of the... Yeah, that uh, does all the hard work. Exactly. Takes care of the physical stuff. But uh, no, he did it. Right. And I liked how he saw how this Bajoran went total nuts. And then he has to wonder, you know, is this what's going to happen to my people once? Mm-hmm. If if they're even free. We don't even... He doesn't even know at that time that, uh, that eventually the Federation will win. Right. So yeah, in his shoes, he's like, you know, our people are incredibly empathic, you know, how is this going to affect them going forward? Exactly. It's a nice extra bit of detail. Right. Yes. I can answer it, though. I mean, I know how it's going to. It's not at all, right? I mean, we're going (laughs) to... Or at least... Well, you uh, don't know. At least Troy doesn't seem like it bothers her. She's going to be joking around about her boobs. (laughs) It's a funny joke. (laughs) Okay. Uh, But, yeah. So was uh, Luxana wasn't in uh, at the wedding, was she? At the in, I don't remember her being at Nemesis? the wedding. Yeah, now that I think about it, I don't think she was. Yeah, was she? Did but, she already pass by then? I don't think so, but she may not have been healthy enough. You know what? That's sad. I never once thought about why she wasn't there. Yeah, I, mean, I was all upset that Wesley's lines got cut and all that <laughs> stuff, and why you, he was you even were, there. Exactly. You were so fixated on Wesley. What the Wesley doing here? Isn't he traveling with the the traveler? Traveler, yeah. What's going on here? Yeah, it seems like maybe my uh, tension was um, in the wrong place. Yeah. And, and was Wesley in uniform? Starfleet uniform? Yeah. yeah, he was in Starfleet uniform. Yeah. So what? What's with that? Well, they've retconned it that he he left with the he left the traveler and he went back to Starfleet. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they did the mind mumbo jumbo so that nobody remembers that he left. Oh. 
<laughs> I remember something about that. Did we have comic books that did that kind of thing? Yeah, was well, this... yeah, they, they, they touched on it on that Q, that Q crossover. Oh, right, right. Okay. There you but go. It, it had already been established in other places. That that's what that's what it was. Don't like that. Don't like yeah, that I'm at not... all. Don't mess with my continuity. <laughs> but anyways, uh, all said, I enjoyed these issues more than I thought I was. When I mean, I like Odo and all, but when I found out that they were finally doing another Deep Space Nine miniseries, and it was going to be Odo centric, I was like. Ah. I don't want an Odo miniseries. I mean, if you're only going to give me one in every ten years, uh, <laughs> Odo's not the character I want to see from Deep Space Nine. But but it worked. I enjoyed it. But yeah, bit. yeah, me too. I liked it. I thought it was great. A murder mystery. That's great. Right. All right. So what was your thing with the poison dart? So you don't think she was the one shooting the poison dart? She said she was. Oh, did she say she was? Uh, she said that she killed the. Killed the Fer- the second Ferengis, even though she didn't need to. So she, well, I know that. They, they died of poison darts. They were the ones that died of the poison darts. Well, the, the okay. Of- but did she say she threw the darts at them? Oh. Well, I'm assuming she did. Uh, okay. She doesn't say she did, but, I mean, if she had poison darts in the scene before, I would assume she still had them in that, that scene. Okay. Okay, but there is no explanation why Schroeder... Could block Retlaw. No, nope. no, they never come back. They never mention that. Again. Never mention it again. Maybe because he was so in love with her, and you know, uh, she manipulated him so thoroughly that he believed in what she was saying. I don't know. I don't know. Oh well, maybe it was all the years of discipline he built up playing the piano. Did they say that? <laughs> it's a Peanuts reference. Oh, uh, okay. You know. Schroeder, yeah, he, he played the piano. Yeah, Schroeder. Yeah, I got it now. I got it now. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Oh, well. I kind of feel bad for him, though. I mean, she was just using him to get contraband on the ship. Oh, on yeah. Stage. Yeah, but he's a sucker. Yeah, the things we do back. for love. He'll find himself a good lover in prison or wherever he's going. No. Nah. <laughs> they don't send people to prison unless they're unredeemable, right? Yeah. And they do something to your or mind anyway. Or unless you're Paris. Unless you're Ensign, you know, Ensign Paris, he got sent to a, a penal colony. So they do have penal colonies in the future. When the script calls for it. Right. But, other, but, than that, other than that, they've cured all, uh, exactly. all crime. Exactly. So w- when they want to underscore how, how primitive we are these days, they'll make such a point of it being uh, paradise, Earth being paradise in the future. There you go. Right. And we also don't have money in the future, unless we do. Unless we need to buy a treble. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or need gold press latinum to be exactly. valuable. Exactly. Then we'll have it. I can get the dollars thing, right? They, they wouldn't know what a dollar was. Sure. Or, the and then when that guy's like, selling him his glasses, he's like, is that a lot? You know, that was funny, but it was also like, eh, you know, he wouldn't. Oh, in Star Trek Four. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't know if that was a lot of money back then or not, right? No, no. That would be no. (laughs) Even more so than you know, if we go to Mexico, it's like five thousand pesos. Is that a lot? Is that a lot? I don't know. (laughs) They don't even know. They don't even know about money, supposedly, unless they need to for the script. Yeah. In the future, not Mexicans. Uh, Oh, yeah. I'm I'm talking about Star Trek again. (laughs) I'm talking about Star Trek again. 
so, but yeah, uh, I enjoyed it. I liked the flashback. It, it gave her a, a reasonable reason for doing all this. I mean, she took it to the extreme, but that's yeah. what a good villain does. Yeah. She, I mean, she had a good reason. I mean, she has motivation, but yes, she let it crack her, which isn't good. Right. Not good at all. All right. Anything else? No. All right. Well, that was a fairly recent storyline that IDW put out. So next week, we'll go back a little bit in time and go back to Gold Key. I think we left off on issue 51, so we'll do the next two issues. So it'll be a shorter episode, hopefully, and with uh, 52 and 53. Cool. And, of course, those aren't reprints, right? No, I think we're past the... All the reprints? Okay, good. 52 and 53. Looking forward to it. Getting that Gold Key goodness. Yeah, I don't remember how far they got, but we must be getting pretty close to the end. We should be getting close to the end, yes. Uh, I do not recall either, but... But yeah, I don't think it went much past 50s, maybe 60, but that's about it. Yeah. Well, it'll be nice to wrap it up. Another yeah. another check, big check mark. Well, once we finish that, then all we'll have left is UK and any IDW that they put out going forward. We'll, we'll almost be caught up with all old stuff. Wow, that's amazing. Pretty crazy. That's wackadoodle. Okay, that's great. I mean, we've been doing it so long. It's been a while. It has. And, and hopefully... Gonna, it was going to be a three-year mission, five-year mission. Now it's an ongoing mission. There you go. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we've, uh, we've had a few people that have stuck with us out there. So, okay. Well, going from the emails we get, we do have people that listen, uh, but I don't know how consistent they are. Right. <laughs> it's I, I, more just like a random email about something, and I'm like, I'm always so excited. <gasps> Somebody actually listened and wrote... Uh, <laughs> but uh, but if you are listening out there, just drop us a line. Let us know you're you a lot you you're out there. <laughs> it's good to get feedback. Doesn't yeah. have to be long either. Just a, a quick little thing. Yeah, I listened to episode three hundred something. Right. You know, just, right. Yeah. And you guys sucked. That'd be fine too. Yeah, it'd be it'd be hurtful, but at least it would be some some feedback, constructive criticism. I hope. <laughs> If you do think we suck, tell us why. Don't just say we suck. <laughs> Give us some context. Well, okay. <laughs> now that we're almost to the end of reading all the comic books, now tell us what we've been doing wrong. Exactly. <laughs> it's when it's too late to do a significant course correction. Right, right. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you, Ken, for uh, walking us through these issues. And I'll talk to you next week. Okay. Later, everybody. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, ST Comic, second name, book review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. <laughs>